J Files on Double J. Hey, Gemma Pike here, and today on the J Files podcast, you and I are diving headfirst into the sunny synth pop world of French four piece Phoenix. I've gone digging in the archives and found what I think are the most fun facts about one of the most fun bands going around. Stick about, you'll find out why they named an album after Mozart, how they ended up with a recording console that was used for Michael Jackson's Thriller, and the album they started writing in Australia. The first, Growing Up in Versailles, just outside of Paris, meant that Phoenix had a slightly different creative upbringing. While you and I would have had... I don't know, the local skate park growing up, Thomas Mars had the Palace of Versailles as a playground. He told Lindsay McDougall on Triple J in 2014 about some of the fun they used to get up to as kids. My favourite memory was to play laser tags. Really? We would, Yeah. <laughs> and also there was one moment where my brother was really into um, <laughs> roller skating. Mm-hmm. And I remember he, he took me there and on the Grand Trianon, which is the most expensive marble. Yes, it is. We roller skates and you, you only needed one push and you could go forever. That's, that's how, how good the marble was. That's, that's how they test marble in the big castles yeah. these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, I guess it's kind of like if you grew up in Sydney sneaking into the opera house and, and uh, you know, roller skating down the thing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But waiting for the tourists to leave, so doing it at night. Yeah, or even, I mean, it's a very strange, it's very divided. There's the tourists are in one section and the rest is pretty, you still have places that are either on, they're working on it so no one's allowed and you can go daytime. And there's only one policeman, that's the main thing I remember, one small guy on a motorcycle that's very slow, that's never awesome. get you. School, Thomas Mars, Chris Mazzoli, and Dex Darcy used to jam in Thomas's garage. It wasn't until guitarist Laurent Brankowitz joined that Phoenix really took off. But did you know that Bronco was in another band before Phoenix? They were called Darlin, and the other band members were Thomas and Giman, who went on to form Daft Punk. That's my, uh, the first band I played with when I was like 16. It was called Darling. The reason why it's a bit interesting is that it was with the two guys of Daft Punk. So we were like a super group, but uh, before being even a group, so, uh, we were just stupid teenagers. Uh, we released one seven inch, which was a great achievement for for the stupid children we were. <laughs> Didn't a review of that um, give, give Daft Punk their name? Yeah, exactly, yeah. In, the, in Melody Maker, the British newspaper that doesn't exist anymore because they couldn't smell the future genius. Because <laughs> they got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. got it wrong. So, uh, yeah, it's true. It's, yeah, they, yeah. But it was, it was da- Daft Punkish. There was the, the other, the actual, the, this song. I was listening to this on loop. It's like just a great instrumental. Yeah, it's it's, it's very influenced by the Beach Boys, ah. in a kind of punk punk rock way. Yeah, like a sort of screeching weasel, kind of the queers, kind of that sort of uh, 
Californian punk rock kind of thing. California yeah. punk rock with uh, the, sophist the sophistication of a weird chord. One of the best things about Phoenix is their incredible use of percussion, which is no mean feat given they don't have a drummer. Well, there is a the drummer live and there is a drummer whenever we need mm. a drummer to record, which is Thomas Hedlund, which is well, very lucky to have him because he's an, my favourite drummer. But when we're in the studio, there's a freedom to not have a drummer. There's total freedom in the, in the sense that we experiment. It can be a drummer, it can be a drum machine, it can be anything really. So yeah, sometimes I play drums, sometimes it's Bronco playing drums on a keyboard that's going to a computer, that's going to another shitty iPhone machine. It's just, uh, yeah, there's, there's no rule to it. In 2009, Phoenix broke through to a more mainstream following with their fourth album, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. It was a bit of a riff on Mozart's name, but why? Because we were tired of making something that was supposed to be elegant or something. You know, we wanted something that was very childish, <laughs> almost like drawing a mustache on Mona Lisa or something. You know, we wanted something that was messing up with something iconic. I think we, we grew up in Versailles, which is very, uh, very, the, the weight of the past in the city is so heavy that you have to do something like this to exist. You know, you have to, it's almost, to have this act that's almost like vandalism. To us it was the same idea, it was something that was uh, dividing people but for good reason. You know, it was something uh, um, that's shocking but daring but for a good reason. Another thing that's really interesting about this album is that it was the first time that Phoenix had enlisted the help of a producer because up until that point they'd recorded and produced all of their own work. Thomas Mars spoke to Zanro about it at the time. You did have an outsider for this album. Usually you record just by yourselves, but this time Philippe Zadar worked with you on the record from Cassius. Did, did it help to have someone else more neutral to tell you what was working and what wasn't, who was outside of the band? Yes, it was amazing. It was the best thing that happened to us on this record because he he wasn't neutral. He was very passionate and very, he would say you just, drop this song or, or this song has to be on the record and, and I'm never going to let it go. I'm going to fight until the end so it's on the record. And he basically helped us to save a lot of time and to uh, uh, make this record. Uh, it was more of a something risky for us. Uh, he experienced the last two records we did as a listener and he had a very strong opinion of what this one should sound like and he, was, he had a, such a strong opinion uh, that it was really helpful. Why did you choose to have someone help you this time around? We didn't choose. He he was just coming on Friday nights. He's a DJ, so he would come on Friday nights and pick up his records and uh, at his studio, and that's where we were recording. And uh, he would just uh, like what he was hearing every Friday night. So he would come more. He would come more and more early, and 
And after two months, we realized it was there every day just for an hour or two. And so it, it became the very natural that he was co-producing the record bef- even before we we agreed on, on that fact. It was it was just a very natural thing. Yeah, so it's, I like that he's he was lured in by the music in a very easy way. Exactly, yes. <laughs> you seduced him with your songs. Yeah, uh, yes, and he's he seduced us with his he's very charismatic and he's very he would he would uh come in the studio and and say that we ruined the song and, and he would go home very sad or he would come and he would like what he was hearing and he would bring a champagne for everybody. And this happened almost every night. I mean every night there was a the feeling of success or total failure. <laughs> There was one song especially where he, he fought really hard that the song called Fences, he, he left for three weeks uh, on holiday and, and when he came back we, we didn't like that song anymore and he already had memories with it and, he, and so he, he fought until the end so that this song would, would be on the record and in the end we were really happy that he was so devoted to it. In the middle of the album Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, things get a little bit blissed out and instrumental. Well, as it turns out, Love Like Sunsets Parts 1 and 2 were inspired by driving through the tunnels between Paris and Versailles. What's great about those tunnels is that they have a very strong rhythm. Like the road has a rhythm, but also the tunnels with the lights. It, it's, it was such a nice feeling that we wanted to recreate this we started with the idea that we wanted to recreate this moment that we, from driving from Versailles to Paris, and uh, Chris and Marco started to learn this guitar uh, rhythmic thing that's almost like uh, it sounds really like uh, uh, like guitar counterpoint or something, and they started to study this, and yeah, we we really got into this this thing, which was really nice because it's the song that took us the most time, and uh, that's why we put it in the middle of the record because we, we thought it was the central piece of the, the record. Turning things back up a notch now. Well, I really got to go now. Phoenix bought the recording console that was used for Michael Jackson's Thriller and they used it during the recording of their last two albums, Bankrupt and Tiamo. Tomas told Lindsay McDougall about how it was once very nearly stolen. Oh storage unit was robbed and we lost almost everything you know instruments and but the michael jackson board was so heavy that they couldn't take it so it's still there so we're gonna go back to that one that's the only thing that you've got left that was the yeah (laughs) all those cool keyboards are gone and stuff that's um that's a good this you bought this desk off ebay and they didn't even know people didn't believe it was a michael jackson desk so you've been doubly lucky with this desk Stroke of genius, you say that? Like we were, no, you don't say that. Well, I'll don't say it right you? now, it's a stroke of genius. It's the only moment of genius we had in the last 10 years. What's it like to use this recording console? You're so excited when you have this desk that you want to record as many things as possible. 
So yeah, there's multiple layers. I, I guess it created the thick layered sound, which was something we've had in mind all the time that we had this ambition to create our own world of sound, you know, something very heavy and very a bit hostile to a bit violent. And yeah, I think definitely having that desk made us record a lot of more stuff. And you had it shipped from America to France to use, to use Michael Jackson's mixing desk. Yes, it costed us more to ship it than to buy it, basically. <laughs> For your final Phoenix fun fact, the album that they started writing while they were here in Australia was their fifth album, Bankrupt. Uh, the father of a friend is is a percussionist for the um, Sydney Opera, and he he lives next to Byron Bay, and he he has a group of students, and he teaches them uh, marimbas and, and other percussive instruments. And we went for five days with him there in between two festivals, and we recorded a lot of of things that ended up on the record, especially on entertainment and bankrupt. Oh, cool. So how did, um, I guess, being in Australia there at the very start of the writing process help things along? I, I think it's the best time for any record because it, we didn't feel any kind of pressure. You know, we, we it's that, I mean, that kind of music is pretty far from us and it, it was abstract enough and it was uh, vague enough so that it didn't feel like we were rushing into the record. It felt like we were experimenting. And yeah, that's what we, we liked about it. And and then the landscape of, you know, being in Byron Bay, that, that was uh, it's incredible memories. It, the, the beginning of the album... It already had had a good story, you know. It was a, a good. It was a, already a, something that we built great memories already after after just one week of making this album. That's it from me. I'm Gemma Pike. This is the J Files podcast. Please subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend about it. I'll leave you with your thoughts on Phoenix. This is Casey from the Gold Coast. I just love how the way they put the songs together on the album. It just feels like you're going through a journey, a journey with them. They have highs and they have lows. Love sitting back at the end of the night, turning the lights down low, having a couple of drinks and turning the bass up and just disappearing into the moment. It's Martha from Sydney and I love Phoenix because they're an awesome synth indie pop band that'll make you feel right at home if you're sitting at a bar in a booth with a couple of mates or you're rocking it out in the dance floor. This is Gavin from Sydney and I love Phoenix because they're such a, a diverse band. I'm not a massive pop fan and yet they can pull it off amazingly well. They've also got a, a lead singer that English is a second language for him and He's got to be one of the best lyricists around. It's Holly from Adelaide here, and I love Phoenix because they're not afraid to try new things, and I love how they sort of reinvent themselves for every single album. It's just really refreshing and exciting because you really have no idea where they're going next with it. And for me, that just makes it impossible to ever get tired of listening to their songs. The J Files. The J Files. <laughs>